You guys feeling good? Man, it is good to be in God's house. Amen? Man, you just feel his presence this morning, and it's an honor and privilege to be able to serve you guys, and uh, just what a joy it is, and we are entering into one of the uh, busiest times of the year. The Christmas season is upon us, and I love it. I love Christmas so much. I am one of those guys that put up their Christmas tree two weeks before Thanksgiving. Anybody else in the room got their trees up? You're my people, you're my people, I love it. Listen, research tells us that when you put a tree up, you're actually happier and more friendly people, all right? So if you wanna be more happy, put a tree up. (laughs) End of message, all right, here it is. But we're about to, you know, it's a, it's a busy time of the year. And oftentimes we jump the gun and we celebrate Christmas and including myself. And I, I just want to know, tell you that there is this holiday that's coming up on Thursday called Thanksgiving. And a lot of times we overlook Thanksgiving because we're already set our sights on Christmas and who we're going to invite and what gifts we're going to buy, right? Thanksgiving, most Americans think it's just eating a lot of good food, eating way too much food. You got to unloosen the belt a little bit. And then you got to on Black Friday, the day after, after you counted your blessings and thank God, you said, I don't have enough blessings, so I need to buy more stuff for myself. All right, and that's what Black Friday is. You spend billions of dollars buying stuff that you need, all right? And then if you love college football, one of the greatest games that's gonna be played, Ohio State and Michigan are battling it out. Go blue, baby, it's gonna be good. Safety team, stop him, stop him, you know? It's it's crazy, I'm telling you, it's gonna be a... You, hey, you'll be glad I'm not preaching next weekend, all right? So, because I'll rip all y'all, all right, when Michigan wins. <laughs> I love the love here, all right? <sighs> all right. Ohio State and Michigan. All right, but that's Thanksgiving, all right? But a lot of us, we tend to overlook Thanksgiving, right? It's not really on high on people's priority list. I mean, we're already looking forward to Christmas, right? And if I had it my way, this is what I would do. I think Thanksgiving should be a holiday for every day. Like, why do we set it aside just one day of the year to give thanks? And I, I think that 364 days, we celebrate Thanksgiving, and I'll give you guys one day to complain and to gripe. How about that? Could you do that? Some of you are like, no, I need two days. Some of you are like, I need a month to get all my complaining and griping out. But Thanksgiving, man, it, it, it is more than just a holiday. It is an attitude. It's an attitude. It's a, a spiritual principle in the Bible. And here's the thing. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week, and I'm supposed to pre- preach about gratitude. Some of you are thinking, he's going to tell me I have to be thankful, right? That's what I'm going to do. But gratefulness in reality, doesn't come naturally to us. It's something that we have to learn. We gotta develop. We gotta develop this principle and attitude of gratitude. It does not come naturally, right? Disappointments come in, difficult seasons, circumstances come in, and it's oftentimes, sometimes really, really difficult to give thanks. And so for the next couple weekends before Christmas, we're gonna talk about having this attitude of gratitude. Why is it important? What are the benefits to being grateful. And I would say what I'm about to talk to you this weekend is probably one of the most important principles that we need to learn. Out of all the 52 sermons that have been preached uh, here in church, I believe that this principle is the most important because gratitude can literally unlock doors that you've been waiting to walk through. Gratitude can really open up the, uh, the blessings of God to come into your life. Do you know that we serve not a God of little, not a God of less, not a God who wants to barely make you barely survive? 
We serve a God that wants to give us so much more so that we can bless other people. That's why we're doing this whole pie it forward thing. We want you to go out this week and give a pie to somebody and bless them and invite them to church to experience God. That's why we're doing this. Gratitude is, 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 is powerful. It is the key. Gratitude is way more powerful than complaining. Gratitude can open the ears um, and, 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 and the eyes of people way more than complaining ever can. Listen, gratitude can get you a promotion way faster than asking for one can. And here's the thing, if you have everything that you ever wanted in this life, but you don't have an attitude or a heart of gratitude, nothing truly will ever be enough for you. And gratitude is so, so huge. The most important frequently stated command in scripture it's not to love, which I thought it was. It's not to fear. It's not to trust, but it's to give thanks. To give thanks, to tell of his wonderful works, to sing his praises, to glory in his name. And listen, I believe that God wants to do so much more in and through your life. He wants to do so much. How many believe that? If you don't believe me, read your Bible. He does. How many would like to be a blessing to other people around you? Just show of hands. Like you'd like to pay for someone's meal or buy some, pay for someone's mission trip. How would you like to buy someone's Christmas presents this year for a family that can't afford it, right? God wants to do that for you, but it starts with having an attitude of gratitude. There isn't a condition to having the so much more life that God has intended for you. Listen, I've seen coffee mugs and t-shirts that say, but first coffee. How many have a coffee mug like that? But first coffee, you're hanging in your wall. How many like, you like you don't talk to me after I have my first cup of coffee, right? How many are like that? Like I have to have my coffee first, but first coffee, 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 coffee. Now, there are some people on our worship team that uh, you don't wanna talk to them. They're not looking all smiley and face until they have their Starbucks, all right? And it's, I'll give you a hint, it's the two girls that sing with us, all right? So eliminates me. So <laughs> you can see them afterwards. <laughs> but first coffee, 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 right? I've seen t-shirts like that. I've seen coffee mugs like that. But here's what I want you to do. I wanna challenge us as a church to have a but first give thanks. A but first give thanks mentality, right? Instead of coming to God first with our requests, first with your complaints, first with your frustrations, but first give thanks. And I'm telling you, it is the secret to unlocking the kingdom of God in your life for the blessings of God to just pour into your life, not so that you can be blessed, but so that you can be a blessing to other people. So if you got a Bible, here's where we're going. We're going to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, we're gonna start at verse 11 and we're gonna see this key of being thankful really play out in Luke chapter 17. It's a true story. It happens in Jesus's life and ministry. And I believe that this is a huge turning point, a major shift in Luke chapter 17. Jesus had come for the Jewish people. He was Jewish by blood. He was born um, in the family of Mary and Joseph. And anyone who wasn't a Jew was considered a Gentile or a Samaritan. That'd be people like you and me. And so, but every once in a while, there'd be people outside the Jewish realm and they would come to hear Jesus's teachings. And this is where we have in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, it says, while he was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him. 10 leprous men, what is leprosy? You may have heard that in the Bible. That's not a common uh, disease anymore. It's kind of been faded away. But leprosy, what it does, it, it literally separates you from the rest of the group. 
And leprosy was so bad during that time, there was no cure for it, no doctors could cure it. Basically, if you found out that you had leprosy, you would have to immediately divorce your spouse, you have to leave your kids, leave your workplace, and you would be exiled to a colony outside of the city. Just think about that for a second. Imagine you wake up one morning and your skin starts to feel really dry and it starts to crack and bleed and then all of a sudden, there's parts of your body literally starting to fall off. That's what leprosy did. It was a horrible, terrible disease. And so they would have to live their life as beggars, basically, basically, you know, providing, waiting for people for the kindness to give them food to eat and, and just to barely survive. So these, these guys are coming toward Jesus. They've been barely surviving, barely getting by, and they came to Jesus knowing that he could heal them. And the Bible says that they stood a far way off, far enough so they wouldn't spread the leprosy and they, and they cry out to Jesus, Master Jesus, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, Jesus, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. In other words, this healing was motion activated. As you do what I'm telling you to do, it's gonna happen. And so they start going to the priest. And I can just imagine like their ears start to grow back and then, and then their nose starts to grow back. And, like, and then there's that pimple. They're like, man, I haven't felt that pimple in 20 years. Praise God. Some of you are like, I'm not thankful for my pimples, all right? But this is what these guys were doing. And then all of a sudden their thumb starts to grow back. And then that middle finger starts to grow back. And they're like, I promise God, I'm never using my middle finger for bad anymore, all right? Some of you are like, I used it this morning getting to the church parking lot. God, forgive me, all right? This is the place of forgiveness, all right? And they're like, God, I'm getting my legs back. And so they start to get healed on their way to see the priest. What would you do if God blessed you with something that you didn't deserve, you didn't earn? Maybe an inheritance, maybe a large sum of money. I bet you some of those guys, they're like, man, but first I gotta get a good cup of coffee. I haven't had a good cup of coffee in years, but first I gotta go kiss my spouse. But first I gotta go play with my kids. Man, I haven't played with my kids in over 20 years and no one's gonna judge me for that, for putting my family first, right? But first I gotta get my job back. I've been barely surviving. But one of them, one out of 10, the Bible says, goes, oh my God oh my gosh, before I kiss my wife, before I get my Starbucks, before I get my paycheck, before I buy what I want to buy. But first, I got to give thanks to the one who gave me this new life. Write this down. Gratitude is not gratitude until it's outwardly expressed. Gratitude is not gratitude until it's outwardly expressed. Listen, it's one thing to, to feel grateful, right? I imagine that those, some of those nine other guys felt grateful, right? I feel so grateful. I'm going to kiss my wife. I'm going to go play with my kids. I feel so grateful. Listen, and you know, I feel grateful for my spouse. It's one thing to feel grateful. It's another thing to actually express it. You know, there's a marriage that's been together 20 years and they're starting to have some marital problems. And the wife goes to the husband and says, Hey, we're going to go see a counselor. And the husband's like, no, no, we don't need to go see a counselor. And the wife's like, we're going to go see a counselor. And so they go and the counselor sits down with them and says, what bring, what seems to bring you in today? And the wife goes, well, I just don't feel like he values me. Man, we were, when we were dating, man, I felt so valued by him. When we were engaged, I felt so loved and connected with him. Man, when we were, when we were on our honeymoon, I felt so valued by him. 
And the husband starts to get upset. Well, what are you talking about? I put food on the table. I I put a roof over your head and the wife's getting upset. It's like, well, how come if you feel thankful for me, how come you haven't expressed it to me? You haven't written me a card in years. You haven't taken me on a date in over 20 years. And the husband's like, well, I, 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 feel, I feel grateful for you. I feel value to you. Listen, I'm telling you, gratitude is not gratitude until it's outwardly expressed. This principle can change your life, can change your marriage, can change your relationships, can change your workplaces. Man, man, what if you just went up? How, when was the last time you just thanked your boss? Like you just thanked your boss, right? Some of you are like, I don't feel thankful for my boss, right? But how many just thank the one who gave you your paycheck? Like, well, I earned that paycheck. Listen, when was the last time you just said thank you to the people in your life? And, and the wife looks at the husband and says, man, if you maybe if you expressed your gratitude toward me, I'd feel more valued. I'd feel more valued. Why? Because gratitude's not gratitude until it's outwardly expressed. And so that's what we're gonna do right now. All right, I'm gonna ask everyone to stand to your feet, all right? Now you're like, oh no, I hate this part of the service, all right? Listen, because 80% of you will not do this. That's the reality. So we're gonna do that right now. We're gonna get sick groups of six to eight and you're gonna express your gratitude. Tell one thing that you're thankful for and then we're gonna continue on with the message. Come on, do it right now. Find six to eight people, give thanks, One thing that you're grateful for, get to know them, smile when you say it. All right, all right, all right, find a seat. Man, didn't that feel good? Come on, didn't that feel good? You guys are smiling, I love it. I mean, when you outwardly express your gratitude, it changes your heart, it changes your mindset. I just love it. And uh, Luke chapter 17, we're looking at these 10 leprous guys. And I bet you this one guy, one out of 10, is watching all his other buddies run off to their first priority, to their their first priority, first job, right? I gotta get my coffee, but first my career. And, And the Bible says, no, 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 no. This one guy, one out of 10, one out of 10, what's the percentage of that? 10%, is that a tithe? Oh, I see this message shifting now, okay? One out of 10 goes back to the one who gave him his miracle. And he says, this is what it says in verse 15. Now, one of them, when he saw what he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, we'll get back to that. And he was a Samaritan because that's, that's key. That's important. This amazes me. Like he literally face plants on the ground and says, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. And some of you are like, man, that's way too over the top or over dramatic. But this, this guy had been in this leprosy, this disease for 20 years, and he returned to give thanks. And Jesus looked at him and said, man, are you the only guy to come back and give me thanks? And it's a rhetorical question. He already knows where the other nine are. And he's like, man, are you the only one? Have they quit? Have they forgotten who healed them? Have they forgotten? How quickly have they forgotten who set them free? I mean, how oftentimes do we do that? When God blesses us with something, we immediately go and do our own thing without giving thanks to the one who blessed us in the first place. But first, give thanks. And Jesus said, man, and it said to him in verse 19, you're the only one, stand up, go, Your faith has made you well. 
Your faith has made you well. Now, follow me for a second. That word well in the New King James Version says whole. Your faith has made you whole. The Hebrew and Greek translation, there's a word for this. It's called sozos. That's what Jesus said. He said, your faith has made you sozos. The other nine got healed, but because you came back and gave thanks, I pronounce sozos over your life. Say sozos, wouldn't he? Sozos. Oh, I just taught you some Greek there, right? Sozos. I pronounce sozos over your life. Sozos is complete salvation. It's salvation. Watch this. Watch this. Jesus on that day, broke the boundaries, broke the barriers of coming only to save the Jewish people, to come to save a Samaritan, a Gentile, a person like you and me. He said, today, not only you are healed, but because of your attitude of gratitude, it has opened the door for salvation, not just for you, but for your entire household. Can we give God praise for that? Jesus didn't just come for one race, He came for all races, nations of the world. This is amazing. So his ministry takes a major shift because of this one guy. He had this attitude of gratitude. I'm telling you, it it opens doors for God's blessing to come into your life. Now here it is. Gratitude has to be expressed. It has to be expressed. It can't just be a feeling, right? Well, I feel thankful for God. And then we come to church and we just lip sing our way into worship service and we just pretend we're listening to the preacher and we're like, I'm just gonna, it has to be expressed. You gotta outwardly express your gratitude, all right? So I'm gonna give you a couple keys to how how to have this but first give thanks mentality. Now, before we do that, I'm gonna tell you some obstacles. There's some certain obstacles that get in the way of having this but first thanks mindset, all right? And so I'm gonna give you a couple and then I'm gonna give you some spiritual exercises this Thanksgiving week where you can practice with your family about a but first get thanks, all right? So number one, big obstacle that comes in our life when we're trying to give thanks all the time is selfishness, selfishness. Now the holidays are coming up, but the truth is there's always something coming up. There's always a reason to make life about you. Right? There's always this mindset that I got to take care of me, 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 me. I, I don't have time, Josh, to, to thank God or to look out for other people. I'm telling you, this is one of the biggest excuses I hear all the time. I'm just too busy. I just can't do it. I got too much stuff going on. Welcome to the club. We're all busy. We all got stuff going on. Listen, but I believe that the selfishness mindset creates this couple different obstacles. One, it produces this mindset of entitlement. Entitlement says, well, I earned that healing. I deserve it. I deserve for God to heal me. They owe me this. And entitlement really is birthed out of selfishness. Entitlement, I'm telling you, it kills the mood. It kills relationship. The selfish heart produces this mindset of, of constantly looking for other people to meet a need in your life. And I am dealing with a selfish heart right now. Someone in my house I'm living with right now is dealing with the selfishness attitude, all right? And it's not my wife, so don't text her right now, okay? And it's not my cat, that's a different story. But it is my two-year-old daughter, I'm telling you. She, man, she's going, I swear, like one of her first words was mine, 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 mine. I'm like, where'd she learn that? Me and Jessica don't say that around the house. She's like, my house, my room, my toys. She's going to someone else's house and say, those are my toys. I'm like, no, 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 those are not your toys. Mine, 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 my mommy. And I'm thinking, well, that's my wife. You wouldn't be here if me and mommy didn't love each other. And she's like, mine, 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 mine. And I'm telling you, 
This, this, this mindset of selfishness starts such at an early age and it's gotta be broken. It's gotta be broken. I'm dealing with it. Any parents in the room, you're dealing with a toddler, strong-willed little, yes, thank you, I feel you. Listen, it, it's tough, but this attitude of gratitude, it, it, it is a principle that has to be learned. It does not come naturally. Entitlement is produced because of selfishness. Entitlement will keep you in bondage because you'll be constantly looking for other people to meet a need in your life. That's why the Israelites, man, they couldn't enter the promised land. Even when God, you know, even when God gave them manna so they wouldn't die in the wilderness, they're like, manna, I wanted some pizza, God. Why didn't you give me some of that? They were so, had this entitlement mindset. Nothing was ever good enough for them. And so they, God literally stopped them from entering into the promised land. Entitlement produces this mindset of disappointment. You know, disappointed with people. They didn't do enough for me. Disappointed with God, right? Well, Josh, God gave me this, this spouse and she has flaws. Well, so do you, okay? Wake up, all right? And you always are going around, I'm disappointed in church. I'm disappointed in leadership. I'm disappointed in my workplace, disappointed in my job. That's what entitlement does. And we got to break that mindset because that will keep you from having a but first thanks mentality. The book, Toxic Charity, um, our staff is required to read that. And uh, when I read it for a couple, uh, six years ago, when I came on staff, I'm like, it totally changed the way I give. I mean, Robert Luton, who was the author of it, um, he's saying when he was giving out uh, food boxes to people in downtown, uh, in one of the cities, he was giving out food boxes. And he noticed that over the weeks that people who were getting the food boxes, their attitude from gratitude turned into an attitude of entitlement. Like, oh, well, I, I earned that box. I deserve that free box of food. And, it, it, and it, it just brought this thought to me, like, I wonder if God ever feels we give him toxic charity. Right, I mean, we, we, Black Friday's coming up and we're gonna buy everything that we need. It's like, well, I earned it. I deserve to buy this, right? And then, it, well, you know, we go on vacation, PTO. I earned that. I, I deserve that. One of the ways to overcome this mindset of entitlement is to follow the life of Jesus by serving, by serving. When we serve, we break this mindset of, of always feeling entitled. We break this thinking that like when we give, we gotta get something back. Like I, I, I just, that is such an entitlement mindset. Why can't we just give just to give, right? If I'm gonna give five bucks, I'm not gonna ask someone for five bucks back, all right? You can give, yeah, yeah. Just, can we just give to give? Because God is a generous giver. I mean, he gave it all to us. He gave up his life for us and he didn't ask anything back from us. He gave up his life. He took the ridicule, took the pain, took the shots, took the nails to give us what we don't deserve, which was eternal life. We didn't deserve that so that we didn't have to get what we did deserve, which was eternal punishment. He gave it to us. He had this attitude of gratitude. I'm grateful and I'm gonna give up myself for my people. So that's an obstacle, selfishness. The second is negative people, negative people, all right? You might be sitting next to a negative person right now, all right? Now, don't nudge them, don't call them out, all right? We don't marital counseling to go up this week, all right? Listen, negative people will just kill the vibe of attitude of gratitude, right? It's Proverbs 13 says, one who walks with wise people will be wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Get around people 
who are upbeat, who are positive, who love Jesus. Because when you do that, I mean, it totally helps you have this attitude of gratitude. If all you do is get around people, you know, who complain all the time. Oh, Josh, we stay, we stand way too long in church. Worship is way too long. Oh my goodness, man. Oh, he preaches way too long. He preaches way too short. Just making sure you're listening. <laughs> You're like, he's preaching short? Hallelujah, no. No matter how nice your house is, no matter how great your job is, no matter how great your kids are or your spouse, if you hang around people who always complain, grumble, gripe, you'll become like one of them, right? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Third obstacle is comparisons. Comparisons, Um, no matter how much you have, guess what? There's always gonna be somebody that has more than you. No matter how well behaved your kids are, someone else's kids are gonna be well more behaved than your kids. And I had to learn this early. I'm a, I'm a dad only two years into this. And I would, I'll be walking around the church and I'll be like noticing all your guys' kids. And I'm like, man, they act so nice and kind and good. Do they ever, you know, have a bad attitude? Like my kid does sometimes, you know? And I'm, I start to compare my kid with other kids. And then I start to compare myself as a dad. I'm like, oh, great. Like, look at that dad. They're so involved with their kids. They're taking them to, to cool stuff and going to games with them. And I, I can't even do that. And I start to compare myself. And I would have to break that mindset early because, When I started to compare myself with other people, it killed the purpose that God had for my life. I walked around just being a really, really miserable person, wishing, oh, I wish I had their life and their life. And and social media, I'm telling you, does not do us justice. A lot of us, we go on social media and we look and we're like, man, they got their lives are together. It's perfect. They got the perfect filter, right? I mean, you know, I I follow, I love to cook, by the way. And so I follow a lot of people who cook and I'm looking at all their home cooked meals. Like it's all fresh and organic. And I'm like, man, I'm sitting over here eating a TV dinner on 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 my sofa. I wish I had what they had. And we compare ourselves all the time. Comparison is a killer towards your purpose. Look what uh, 2 Corinthians says. For we do not presume to rank or compare ourselves with some of them who commend ourselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they have no understanding. Don't compare yourself. Live the life that God has intended you to live without comparing and looking at other people to meet a need, to fill a void, to fill something in your life. Live the life that God has called you to live. I'm telling you, it's gonna, it, you, when you do that, you'll start to develop this, this attitude of gratitude, this but first thanks mentality, all right? So there's some obstacles. And the last part of this message, I just wanna talk to you about some spiritual exercises that we can start doing this week to help develop this attitude of gratitude. And then we're gonna worship our way into this week, all right? So um, how do we express our gratitude? How, how do we do this on a, on a regular basis? The first one is this, you gotta acknowledge that everything you have belongs to God. Acknowledge that everything you have belongs to God. Psalms 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Come on, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Come on, say that out loud. The earth, you just say that over your life. I live by that verse. That's why I give 10% of what I make to the Lord because it's not my money. It's God's money in the first place and we're just stewarding it. Just go ahead right now, just acknowledge that everything that you have belongs to God. The house that you're living in, the kids that you have, you're just stewarding those kids, the car that you drive, the job that you're performing, 
He just loans that to you temporarily. He wants you to steward that. Listen, before those 10 guys got healed in our story, all of them had the same disease. They all had leprosy. They all had the same outcome. They were all gonna die alone in a colony without any friends or family around them. And I bet you that when some of them, you know, when they got healed, they felt immediately that they were owners instead of stewards of the blessing that God gave them. I mean, right, don't we do that in life? Sometimes we get blessed with something and instead of becoming stewards, we become owners of it, right? We start acting like, well, that's my house. That's my house. That's, that's my car. That's, that's my money, my money, my money, my money. And God's like, man, who's the one that gave you breath in your lungs? Who's the one that gave you that talent so that you could earn a paycheck so that you could have all of that nice stuff? And God's like, man, I just want, I just want 10%. I just want 10%. And for you to have an attitude of gratitude. Listen, God can do more with the 10%. Oh, come on, watch this, watch this. God can do more with the 10% than you could ever do with the 100%. He can do way more. It was, guess what? In the Old Testament, it was cursed to give 100%. But when you gave 10%, oh, baby, watch it the blessings of God starts to pour in. He doesn't 100%. He wants 10%. And we still gripe about that. Oh, it's my money, my money, my money. Listen, and it's more than just a figure. It's more than just a figure. It's, it's a heart. It's a heart. Listen, Jesus is with his disciples and he sees this widow coming in and she gives two small little mites, less than pennies. And Jesus says that right there. That's right there. That's what I want. I want your heart. I want your heart, not, not your money. I want your heart because God knows if he has your heart, there's an invisible string attached to your wallet. He knows if he has your heart, he can change your habits. He can change your marriage. Man, if he has your heart, he can change the relationships that you are in. He has your heart. Watch this. God, wait for God to pour out his blessings. Listen, the number one uh, idol in America is money. It's money. Biggest idol in the world, money equates with power. And here's the thing, guys, the Bible talks about money over 2,300 times. And guess what? The Bible only mentions prayer like 500 times. How many of you think prayer is important? Right, show of hand. Prayer is important. Like you can't be a Christian without prayer. It, it, just, mind, it just, just blows my mind because prayer is mentioned, but money is mentioned almost five times more than prayer. Why is that? because he knows that money would be a bigger struggle for us than prayer. You can pray all day you want, all day. It takes one thing to have guts to give. Have your heart. He wants your heart. Trust God. Number two, spiritual exercise. You can live generously. Live a generous life, not just this week, but all days of the week. Live generously. I'm telling you, generosity makes your life and your world open up so much more. Giving changes you more than it changes others. It changes this mindset of, I'll never have enough. It breaks the scarcity mindset, right? When you start to just give, to be generous. Listen, I'm telling you, how can we talk about Christianity without talking about giving, right? Giving is at the center of, of, of the core of every single message. How can you have a healthy marriage? Well, you gotta, it takes two people to give, right? It, how can we talk about being a single devoted follower of Jesus? You gotta give every single message, whether it's parenting, marriage, forgiveness, grace, all of it ties around this giving heart. 
But a lot of us get frustrated when we talk about giving because we equate that with money. And let me just say this, giving is way more than money. It's way more than money. Stop putting uh, this figure in your mind, well, I gotta give, so it means I gotta give my money. No, you can give a lot more than just your money. You give your time, give your talents. This week, we can, you can give a pie, and not just one pie. We're asking you maybe take two, three, four. Give a pie out to somebody, bless somebody. And listen, some of you still won't even do that because like, why would I even do that, right? God just wants your heart. Hey, hey, you can give a, a, a thank you card to your boss. I mean, you can, you can call up your dad who you haven't talked to in forever. You call up a mom in your life and just say, thank you. You can give a lot more than just your money. God wants your whole heart. And watch what happens when you have this but first thanks lifestyle. I'm telling you, it changes. This principle in the Bible changes us. Listen, you cannot separate gratitude from generosity. You can't separate the two G's. Grateful people are generous people. Generous people are grateful people. So live generously. Keep a thankful heart. Count your blessings. Count your blessings, all right? Like this is something that I do. I hold up my, hold up my hands. Just hold up your hands right now. And I just, until I'm all done, all fingers are down. Now, if you wanna get bold, you can use your toes, right, too. But all I'm asking, like, you just hold up your hands and say, just count 10 things that you're thankful for. I'm not gonna ask you to do that because I already had you do the exercise, so don't worry. But if you're struggling, like, I just don't know where to start. Just start with a simple exercise. Like, God, I count 10 things that I'm thankful for. And yeah, it's gonna be hard at first because you're like, do I have all 10? But then once you do it every single day, make it a lifestyle, I'm telling you, it gets easier and easier and easier. Because when you start to develop this attitude of gratitude over the months, over the days, over the years, you just, it becomes naturally to you. Give, have an attitude of gratitude. All right, the third. Spiritual exercise you can do is avoid grumbling or complaining. You're like, is that a spiritual exercise? It is. I'm going to show you in the Bible. Avoid grumbling or complaining. Now, the Israelites, uh, God's chosen people, if you're unfamiliar with them, they uh, complained about everything, literally everything. They complained they had no water. They had no food, right? They had too much manna, right? And they complained about everything. The reason why they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years is because they complained, they couldn't enter into God's blessing because they complained and griped and mumbled and complained. I wonder how much, how many of us are missing out on the blessings of God because of our grumbling and complaining. And God's just keeping you circling around in the wilderness because you just keep grumbling and griping and complaining about every little thing. This passage of scripture gets me every time. 1 Corinthians 10, verse six, it says, now these things happen as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they indeed crave them. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, nor are we to commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day, nor are we to put the Lord to the test as some of them did and were killed by snakes, nor to grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. Do not grumble, don't be an idolater, don't be a sexual immoral, don't lack faith. Paul, all in one passage of scripture, ties idolatry, sexual misconduct, lack of faith, and grumbling, all in the same passage of scripture. Some of you read that like, well, Josh, I'm not an idolater. Good. Josh, I'm not a sexual immoral. Good. Josh, I've never lacked faith. Good. 
But you cannot sit there and say, I've never grumbled or griped about anything. And God says, get up on there with the idolaters. Get up on there with the sexual immoral. You're just like one of them. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I promise that's the last harsh thing I'm gonna say. <laughs> you guys are a good crowd. Philippians 2.14, this is what it says. Do all things without grumbling or disputes. Do everything, do all things without complaining or arguments so that you'll prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God. Can you believe that, that that's in the Bible? Don't complain, don't grumble because we're professional complainers. And listen, church people complain a lot more than non-church people do. Why is that? God has given us everything. And we still complain and we still find things to gripe about and mumble about. He didn't give me this. He didn't do this for me. The pastor didn't call me on my birthday. Oh, man. And we complain about everything. And the Bible says do all things without complaining or grumbling so you can prove yourselves to be blameless in the sight of God. Listen, I... Our constant griping and mumbling and complaining is an offense to God. It's a poor testimony to the lost and a detriment to your personality. It's an offense to God. My last point for you today is, as the, I'm asking the worship team to come on up and we're gonna express our gratitude through worship, is express gratitude through worship is the spiritual discipline. And uh, Luke 17 in our story really shows us how we are to express our love to others, express our worship to others. And what's incredible, this man, the one out of 10, was truly, truly expressing his love towards God for, for, for his miracle. He was giving thanks. Gratitude produces worship. I mean, this guy was worshiping in a loud voice. You might think that's over the top, over dramatic, but man, I believe that's how we are gonna do it in heaven. We're just gonna shout with joy. Psalms 100 says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, shout his praises to the heavens. That's what he's doing. This man was truly, truly thankful and he showed it through worship. What produces worship is gratitude. Listen, worship can take our focus on what's going on here, on difficult circumstances down here, and it shifts our focus onto the one who can sustain us. That's what worship is. It takes our mind off the, the problems here, the difficulties here, and it shifts our mind onto the one who can sustain us. And when you do that, worship begins to happen and you start to have this heart of gratitude for what he did for you on the cross. He saved you, he delivered you. You have breath in your lungs, say you're alive today, you got up today. Listen, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, rejoice always, rejoice always. So this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask everyone to stand all across this place. And, and here's the thing, worship changes the atmosphere there's oftentimes where I've come home anxious and, and, and things are, didn't go my way, disappointed. And I would tell my wife, Jessica, that. And what she can't do is what God can do and what God's presence can do. Listen, I mean, you're struggling today and you're in a season of discouragement and disappointment. 
I mean, I'm telling you, worship changes the mood, changes your atmosphere, changes your mood from looking at what you don't have and it focuses on the one who has given you all things. And as Christian people, people who believe in Jesus, we should be the most thankful, most grateful people on the planet. He gave us everything. Come on. So let's hear it. Take a 10 second praise break and just give him praise right now. Come on, just begin to thank him. God, we love you. We are honored that we get to worship you today. God, we love you today.